section twenty one of heroines of fiction by william dean howells this librivox recording is in the public domain the nature of charles reed's heroines each great novelist invents or discovers a certain type of feminine nature which is his predominant if not his favourite type although it is by no means his only type he may wholly depart from it and easily paint its opposite or he may vary it and disguise it without really departing from it but this type in its most distinctive form will characterize him in the reader's general impression we have only to think of the dominant types of thackeray dickens hawthorne george eliot thomas hardy and the rest in order to realize the fact and they need not be alleged in proof either themselves or their analogues or their opposites we know what they are and still better we know what the predominant type of such a minor novelist he was very nearly a major novelist as charles reed is it is with an effort that i refrain from writing was he and his works seem so quite of the past i have lately been re-reading them nearly all with a keen sense of his extraordinary knowledge and a regret for his knowingness in the region of woman's nature which i could not so readily qualify it was the fatal defect of his faculty that he valued himself most upon his knowingness and that he flourished it in the face of his readers instead of using his knowledge to instruct and delight them he liked better to release a spring and let his heroine jump at you out of a box than to have her grow softly upon you through the mystery of womanhood a tangible and adorable personality One, charles reed's peculiar invention is a species of coquette manquet all coquettes are coquette manquet in so far as the flirt is always self-defeated in her triumph and loses more than she gains by any conquest but the sort of coquette manquet that reed invented is the flirt in whom the impulse of mere flirtation is arrested or interrupted by a throw of conscience or a thrill of passion and who for peace sake or love's sake is willing to forego the pleasure of winning a heart to no other end than feeling it hers she has the nature of a coquette but the heart of a woman and is capable of sudden and supreme self-sacrifice she is as sinuous as a serpent in arriving finally at the effects of the dove reed perceived that there is something feline in every woman but he also divined that in many and perhaps in most cases she wishes to use the arts of the cat for no worse purpose than getting a soft place in a man's soul and sweetly purring there this discovery appeared to him so extraordinary that he not only embodied its results in nearly all his heroines but continually shouted over it and flaunted it as the great discovery of the age or of every age it was indeed a very pretty find and was not spoiled by the temperamental excesses of the discoverer who was not without the qualities of his defects and amidst his violences to art and taste his ground and lofty tumbling 
and his antics of all sorts had the gift of denoting the traits of his peculiar heroines with unerring skill he fired from the hip as well as the shoulder he fired lying down and standing on his head he fired with his back to the target looking into a mirror he fired on the quick run but he rarely failed to strike the centre of the mark and when he rang the bell one could at least in one's youth forgive him if he leaped into the air and clicked his heels together with a whoop of triumph two he was as apt to give a whoop of triumph upon a small occasion as a great and he made no unusual noise over so admirable a creature as lucy fountain in love me little love me long he was perhaps rather more boisterous about mrs bazalgette who is the ultimation of all lucy's worst feminine tendencies we see in this full-blown flirt what lucy might have been if she had not resolutely remained a bud and kept her wiles and lures firmly folded within the green leaves of the calyx out of which they were suffered merely to peep but this delightful girl is shown us with reticence almost as discreet as her own and an artist who had apprenticed boyishness to the last his boyishness grew upon him in fact shows in her likeness more of the quiet of a master than in any other portraiture she is most charmingly and originally imagined throughout many ladies have loved below them in fiction as well as out but lucy is the first girl of her kind to do so for she is not romantic or passionate and is of a fancy well guarded by the knowledge and the wisdom of the world she cannot help seeing that david dodd is a hero in his unconscious way but she is perfectly aware that the mate of a merchantman is no mate for a young lady of her wealth and station to say nothing of her birth and breeding she is captivated by his career and character but almost in an aesthetic way at first and not in any fond fashion of loving him for the dangers he has passed he surprises her and then he interests her and as it were convinces her her heart slips away from her while she is in full possession of her reason and while she can still be shocked at his awkwardness and ashamed of him even at times all the successive and synchronous facts of her consciousness are clearly and subtly if not delicately studied her beauty is vividly painted and her little tricks and traits the things in which personality most shows itself if not resides are bewitchingly caught her serviceable subservience to her aunt bazalgette which always ends at some point where lucy has made up her mind to have her own way is of the same texture as her complaisance with her uncle fountain who believes that she is going to marry the man of his choice while she is sweetly meaning to marry the man of her own or rather to let him marry the woman of his for that is more exactly the relation of the strenuous david dodd to the event her good sense and sagacity are equal to the demands upon them 
even after marriage when they so often fail with ladies who marry for love and having let the mate of a merchantman choose her she chooses his lot in life and forsakes her own she abdicates her place in society and accepts her new condition with the grace that distinguishes her in all things great and small in recently reading her history through again i have found it because of her as delightful as it was at the first or the second reading i have felt the author's foibles more but i think i have been also more sensible of his very uncommon cleverness and i am more than ever grateful to him for such a girl as lucy fountain he does not overdo her in his most successful moments he does not make such a clamour as usual she has the ladylike power to put even her creator on his best behaviour and to make almost a master of him just as she knows how to get the better of her aunt basilgett and her uncle fountain in their respective forms of selfishness to keep mr tallboys from being offensive and to prevent david dodd from kicking him when she fails she is the universal solvent of the story reconciling and adapting its warring elements and when she has done her office resuming her individuality at the final precipitation of events to lose it then in the absolute self-devotion of love three i do not know in fiction or more pleasing story on the lines along which her story capers so nimbly the situation is one which has always tempted the novelist and always will till novelists shall be no more there is a perennial fascination in the notion of love between higher station and lower but commonly the fascination is too great for the novelist's sense of proportion his respect for probability and his reverence for truth he is very very rarely so candid as reed who has dealt with it more than once and always pretty faithfully resisting fairly well the temptation to blink its implications difference of social tradition is effaced in the glow of passion as we see in the case of young ladies who now and then run away with their father's coachman but their experience seems to be that it reasserts itself as passion fades this is the experience of lucy fountain after she becomes mrs david dodd but that adorable creature philosophically ignores what she practically knows that is she makes the best of the inevitable and as we see in very hard cash where the tale of her life after marriage is continued from love me little love me long she is not less fond of dodd because he proves inalienably the simple heroic sailor that she fell in love with him for being few heroines are equal to so much and it is for this reason chiefly that we must respect her the author far more easily makes us like her for it is easier to impart the sense of charm than the sense of character and we begin to feel her charm from the moment when bored to death helping her uncle fountain find himself at the top of his family tree by a gymnastic of courtesy she first crushed and then so moulded a yawn that it glided into a society smile 
you begin to feel her character still earlier in that wonderful first chapter where she is shown the triumphant victim of her aunt basil gets selfishness a wily martyr who plans to have her own amidst the flames of sacrifice and a moralist who keeps her conscience clean from the environing pitch of mrs basil gets lies this lady once takes possession of the drawing-room to try on a dress she means to make lucy make over for her mrs bazalgette then rang the bell and told the servant to say she was out if any one called no matter who meantime lucy impressed with the gravity of her office took the dress carefully down from the pegs and as it would have been death to crease it and destruction to let its hem sweep against any of the inferior forms of matter she came down the stairs holding this female weapon of destruction as high above her head as judith waves the sword of holofernes in eddie's immortal picture the other had just found time to loosen her dress and lock one of the doors she now locked the other and the rites began well it fits you like a glove really tell the truth now it is a sin to tell a story about a new gown what a nuisance one can't see behind one i could fetch another glass but you may trust my word aunt this point behind is very becoming it gives distinction to the waist yes baldwin cuts these bodies better than olivier but the worst of her is when it comes to the trimming you have to think for yourself the woman has no mind she is a pair of hands and there is an end of her i must confess it is a little plain for one thing said lucy why you little goose you don't think i am going to wear it like this no i thought of having down a wreath and bouquet from fosters of violets and heart's ease the bosom and sleeves covered with blonde you know and caught up here and there with a small bunch of the flowers then in the centre heart's ease of the bosom i meant to have had two of my largest diamonds set hush the door-handle worked viciously then came rap 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 tick 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 this is always the way who is there go away you can't come here but i want to speak to you what the deuce are you doing said through the keyhole the wretch that owned the room in a mere legal sense we are trying a dress come again in an hour confound your dresses who is we lucy has got a new dress aunt whispered lucy in a tone of piteous expostulation oh if it is lucy well good-bye ladies i am obliged to go to london at a moment's notice for a couple of days you will have done by when i come back perhaps and off went bazalgette whistling but not best pleased he had told his wife more than once that the drawing-rooms and dining-rooms of a house are the public rooms and the bedrooms the private ones lucy's aunt bazalgette whose husband is a banker is determined she shall marry a brilliant financier her uncle fountain who is cultivating a family tree has set his mind on her marrying a man of old family as exemplified in his neighbour tallboys when she goes to her uncle she has the long-descended tallboys about 
the house pretty much all the time and after a certain evening of him he rejoices that he never saw her in better spirits i am glad you saw that said lucy with a languid smile and how tallboys came out he did sighed lucy here the young lady lighted softly on an ottoman and sunk gracefully back with a weary o the world air and when she had settled down like so much floss silk fixing her eye on the ceiling and doling her words out languidly yet thoughtfully just above a whisper uncle darling inquired she where are the men we have all heard of how should i know what men where are the men of sentiment that can understand a woman and win her to reveal her real heart the best treasure she has uncle dear she paused for a reply none coming she continued with decreasing energy where are the men of spirit the men of action the upright downright men that heaven sends to cure us of our disingenuousness where are the heroes and the wits an infinitesimal yawn where are the real men and where are the women to whom such men can do homage without degrading themselves where are the men who elevate a woman without making her masculine and the women who can brighten and polish and yet not soften the steel of manhood tell me tell me instantly said she with still greater languor and want of earnestness and her eyes remained fixed on the ceiling in deep abstraction lucy's aspiration for the heroic aptly prepares the way for david dodd who directly appears on the scene with his sister eve at one of those teas which replace for them the greater distinction of dinner he tells stories of his seafaring and supplies for her the demand she has made of her helpless uncle and fills the long-felt want of her heart of course she knows this before she will own it and the love-making goes deviously on and on but never quite halts though it often seems to halt through it all lucy is still lucy arming herself for final truth by all sorts of provisional feints and never failing of a just sense of her sailor's worth in any circumstances sometimes her magnanimity is severely tried as when david asked to be her aunt's guest appears among her fine company one day suddenly with his carpet-bag on his shoulder the boy whom he had paid to carry it proving too weak for the work lucy manages so well that she commands her aunt's entire admiration and esteem which mrs bazalgette confesses in a reading of the girl's nature if the gentlemen take you for a pane of glass why all the better meantime shall i tell you your real character i have only just discovered it myself oh yes aunt tell me my character i should so like to hear it from you should you said the other a little satirically well then you are an innocent fox aunt an innocent fox so run and get your work-box i want you to run up a tear in my flounce lucy went thoughtfully for her work-box murmuring ruefully i am an innocent fox i am an innocent fox she did not like her new character at all it mortified her and seemed self-contradictory as well as derogatory 
on her return she could not help remonstrating how can that be my character a fox is cunning and i despise cunning and i am sure i am not innocent added she putting up both hands and looking penitent with all this a shade of vexation was painted on her lovely cheeks as she appealed against her epigram but the innocence of all the foxes in the world cannot save a girl from the love with which she has filled a true man's heart if she happens to have filled it from her own and the time has come when after long twisting and turning to escape him lucy fountain is forced to listen to david dodd it is when she comes back to the garden where she thinks she has left her glove and finds dodd on his knees with his face to the ground she almost runs over him what are you doing mr dodd david arose from his oriental position and being a young man whose impulse always was to tell the simple truth replied i was kissing the place where you stood so long he did not feel that he had done anything extraordinary so he gave her this information composedly but her face was scarlet in an instant and he seeing that began to blush too for once lucy's tact was baffled she did not know what on earth to say and she stood blushing like a girl of fifteen then she tried to turn it off mr dodd how can you be so ridiculous said she affecting humorous disdain but david was not to be put down now he was launched i am not ridiculous for loving and worshipping you for you are worthy of even more love than any human heart can hold oh hush mr dodd i must not hear this miss lucy i can't keep it any longer you must you shall hear me you can despise my love if you will but you shall know it before you reject it mr dodd you have every right to be heard but let me persuade you not to insist oh why did i come back the first moment i saw you miss lucy it was a new life to me i never looked twice at any girl before it is not your beauty only oh no it is your goodness goodness such as i never thought was to be found on earth don't turn your head from me i know my defects could i look on you and not see them my manners are blunt and rude oh how different from yours but you could soon make me a fine gentleman i love you so and i am only the first mate of an india man but i should be captain next voyage miss lucy and a sailor like me has no expenses all he has is his wife's the first lady in the land will not be petted as you will if you will look kindly on me listen to me trying to tempt her no miss lucy i have nothing to offer you worth your acceptance only my love no man ever loved woman as i love you it is not love it is worship it is adoration ah she is going to speak to me at last lucy presented at this moment a strange contrast of calmness and agitation her bosom heaved quickly and she was pale but her voice was calm and though gentle decided i know you love me mr dodd and i feared this i have tried to save you the mortification of being declined by one who in many things is your inferior i have even been rude and unkind to you forgive me for it i meant kindly 
i regret it now mr dodd i thank you for the honour you do me but i cannot accept your love there was a pause but david's tongue seemed glued to the roof of his mouth he was not surprised yet he was stupefied when the blow came at last he gasped out you love some other man lucy was silent answer me for pity's sake give me something to help me you have no right to ask me such a question but i have no attachment mr dodd ah then one word more is it because you cannot love me or because i am poor or only first mate of an indiaman that i will not answer you have no right to question a lady why she stay you wish to despise me well why not if that will cure you of this unfortunate think what you please of me mr dodd murmured lucy sadly oh you know i can't cried david despairingly i know that you esteem me more than i deserve well i esteem you mr dodd why then can we not be friends you have only to promise me you will never return to this subject come me promise not to love you what is the use me be your friend and nothing more and stand looking on at the heaven that is to be another's and never to be mine it is my turn to decline never betrothed lovers or strangers but nothing between shall i go now yes murmured lucy softly trying to disarm the fatal word forget me and forgive me and with this last word scarce audible she averted her face and held out her hand with angelic dignity modesty and pity the kind words and the gentle action brought down the stout heart that had looked death in the face so often without flinching forgive you sweet angel he cried i pray heaven to bless you and to make you as happy as i am desolate for your sake oh you show me more and more what i lose this day god bless you god bless and david's heart filled to choking and he burst out sobbing despairingly and the hot tears ran suddenly from his eyes over her hand as he kissed and kissed it then with an almost savage feeling of shame for these were not eyes that were wont to weep he uttered one cry of despair and ran away leaving her pale and panting heavily she looked at her hand wet with a hero's tears and for the second time her own began to gush no intelligent reader would suppose this was the end although he had not already been told that the lovers are securely wedded before the tale is done their story is subordinately prolonged as we all know through very hard cash and i do not think that there is anything mrs david dodd says or does in that rather inferior book to de-characterize miss lucy fountain that girl is a great invention and if it is true as i have several times contended in these papers that a novelist's power is to be tested largely by his success in dealing with feminine nature i do not see why i have called charles reed a minor novelist it must be that the offences of his manner and the impertinences of his method have weighed too heavily with me it is certain that these are so many and so grievous that a far more lenient critic might find them damnatory 
four lucy fountain is of the same type of heroine as helen rolleston in foul play and the heroine of a terrible temptation there is another type the frankly honest or the almost frankly honest type which he deals with in christy johnstone in the novel of her name and catherine gaunt in griffith gaunt and margaret in the cloister and the hearth and grace carden in put yourself in his place but each of these has some little hint or tint of the lucy fountain type in her which is perhaps nothing after all but the ultimate and inevitable expression of her femininity possibly when women are quite equal in their chances and conditions with men they will cease to be innocent foxes but in the meantime we must be glad and grateful when they are innocent still another type of heroine in charles reade's fiction is that supremely illustrated by the titulary heroine of peg woffington if such heroines could always be openly or professionally of the theatre we should have no right to object that they are mechanical actresses are and must be so entirely subservient to the exigencies of the stage that they end by exchanging their nature for its artifice and in the highest effects of character deliver a coup de theatre it is not that they stab the potatoes but that they peel or mash them with one eye on the public or that they conceive of nothing sublimer than eating a poisoned potato so that their rivals may marry the men they love it is not their fault poor things they have been so warped by their art that they cannot imagine anything finer than the devices with which they have brought down houses or their inventors cannot imagine it for them which is quite as bad in effect charles reed was of a better theatre than charles dickens but he was of the theatre and you seem to be reading a dramatization of his novels rather than the novels themselves yet they are ingenious brilliant witty and abound in true suggestions of femininity and their heroines merit much more attention than can be given them in a single paper End of section twenty one